Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Finance First podcast brought to you by and for Agents of Fortune. I'm your host, Davis Fascinella, and today I'll be joined by a very special guest, Finance First very own in-house crypto investment analyst, Drew, better better known as Cryptonosaur on Twitter. But before we get into Drew's crypto introduction, I'm going to continue on with our normal Friday segment. And then after about five to six minutes, we'll get right into Drew's crypto introduction. So let's get started with segment one. Hey everyone, welcome to segment one. Um, I'm going to be talking today really, really fast because we got a great main segment coming ahead. I'm going to be talking today about what my uh, what my analysis of what just took place in the last week is and what I think people should be looking out for over the weekend. Um, I flattened out my positions today. I tweeted about it earlier. I'm not sure if anyone had a chance to check it out and to actually do what it is I was you know, insinuating that you should go do. But... Um, what I think is going to take place in the next couple weeks or so, this is just my opinion, I think that there's probably going to be a retaliatory strike against Assad. Um, the world really doesn't take kindly to wars against humanity. So normally what happens in time of war is is that the U.S. equity markets, aside from crude energy you know related type of stuff and defense stocks, do not generally fare pretty well. So that was my first indicator to know that I should be getting out of those positions, leaving my oil, my energy, my defense positions alone. And uh, for the people that don't hold those positions right now, I would recommend taking the you know profits that you have off the table right now. Um, if you have losses, you should probably leave them alone because I think you're going to get a better chance in the next you know coming weeks after, assuming that that is what takes place after that that um, you're probably going to have a good opportunity to dollar cost average down into some better prices. Um, I also think that in the event that this doesn't take place and there's some form of, you know, feel-good moment between Syria and whoever, you know, it is that they're having to... I, I, I think it's pretty much a war against their own people, but I don't want to get too political about it. Um, I also, from a likelihood standpoint, I mean, I think that it's relatively likely just because there's kind of an international outcry about it, but there's Britain and France involved too, so it might not even just be us, but um, I think that that aside though, what I'm alluding to is that in general, you should not take the risk of having your profits disappear. Um, I think that it's not really worth taking a loss because if you're going to take a loss anyways, you might as well wait a little bit until you get a better price and then it might not be a loss in the future if you're able to dollar cost average down. So for the people that are interested in looking for some cheaper alternatives to a company like Boeing, to a company like Lockheed, to a company like Harris Corp, I have a couple cheaper alternatives. Um, I'm doing a much different style of fast paced more aggressive investing with those larger companies because there's a way to leverage my you know my mobility against them but rather than getting into those you know advanced more you know risky topics i think the smarter thing to do would probably be just to look at some of these alternatives i have i also have some energy companies that are going to be poised to do pretty well and i think that if anyone remembers back when oil were not, you know, oil was very, very expensive, you know, over a hundred dollars a barrel. Um, that was last time, you know, 2015, way back. 
gas is $3 plus, you know, a gallon at the pump. So I think we're heading right back towards the $3 a gallon, you know, old times. But I think it's going to be under different circumstances because it's going to be not the, you know, the gluttonous supply of oil that we're used to. There's a pretty concerted effort right now to cut back and roll back on oil supplies. So if oil does get, you know, above $100, there's going to be fracking and, you know, drilling and all sorts of crap going on all over the country. So um, I think that, you know, rather than get all, you know, opinionated about, you know, why, whether we like that or not, I think we have to look at the investment aspect of it and take advantage of, you know, a good investment when I see it. And this is a good investment by all means. So that's what I'm, that's my kind of general outlook for this past week and this weekend. I have to take some time to evaluate what's going to happen over the weekend or if I think anything's going to happen in the coming week. So rather than get all wrapped up in that though, I got a really special guest lined up today. This is Finance First, very own in-house crypto investment analyst. His name is Drew, better better known as Cryptonosaur on Twitter. I'm going to have his at name in the uh, in the description of his segment. But um, I'm going to wrap up the segment now, and then we're going to roll right into that next segment with Drew. So please, you know, stick by and get ready for a great crypto introduction to crypto segment up ahead. Thanks. Good afternoon to all the listeners, and welcome to Finance First, very first crypto segment. I'm joined tonight by my good friend and partner, Drew, Finance First in-house crypto investment analyst, and he's going to be joining us tonight to talk to us a little bit about a basic introduction into crypto markets. How are you doing tonight, Drew? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you doing, Davis? Very, very good. So, Drew, you've been involved in crypto markets for a full year now. Um, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. All right. Well, like you said, I first dove headfirst into crypto trading about a year ago after I uh, witnessed Ethereum first blow up. Um, However, the first time I bought Bitcoin was in 2015 for reasons left unsaid. But um, going back further than that, my grandpa was was an avid uh, investor back in the dot-com bubble days. So I think that helps build my uh, motivation for furthering my crypto endeavors not only that but uh having a calculated logical way of thinking helps give an edge in the crypto market and uh has definitely helped pique my interest in terms of that as well that's a solid foundation to work from it sounds like definitely so um my first question i'm sure the listeners are very eager to get to um, is can you tell us some key differences? Because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know noise and confusion that oftentimes uh, the perception is surrounds the crypto markets in terms of how the differences are between crypto markets and traditional stock markets. So can you help us to uh, dissipate some of those some of the confusion in that? Yes, totally. Let me help shed some light on that from uh, my own perspective. Um, starting off, of course, crypto today is nowhere near as mainstream as traditional stocks. In my opinion, uh, just to sum it up, I would generally say that stocks are more based on the valuation of real-life companies that have real-life products to offer. They're bought by real people, and they have an active role in society. Whereas cryptos, on the other hand, probably lean towards more towards valuating ideas and future concepts. And this leaves lots of room for speculation. Um, not only that, but crypto doesn't sleep. The crypto market doesn't sleep compared right. to the traditional market. It's 24-7, whereas the traditional market, as you know, 
uh, trades five days a week, right? Right, right. And the cycles, yep. Yep. Uh, also, uh, going along with that, you don't need a broker or anything confusing like that <laughs> to uh, trade crypto. All you need is, uh, is an account on a website. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I can definitely see some some very you know stark contrast between uh, traditional and crypto markets in the uh, the light that you were you know shedding on onto that you know as I said very confusing for some people topic. Yeah. If you um, don't if you don't know what what's the the say so, you could definitely have a lot of confusion there. Uh, ultimately, crypto is of course tons more volatile and speculative than stocks too. So be careful. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so my next question is, uh, there are a lot of exchanges for cryptocurrencies, as I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have seen, um, you know, each exchange, you know, obviously has different prices, you know, different ways of approaching it and offer different services um, in, you know, in a lot of different countries. Uh, the most popular in the United States being Coinbase, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with, as well as Bittrex. So um, tell us, uh, you know, and the listeners, uh, the difference between those two exchanges as a whole? Um, well, specifically Coinbase and Bittrex are, as you put, both cryptocurrency exchanges. However, uh, the way I differentiate the two in my own mind is I consider the fact that Coinbase offers or uh, provides a direct cash or otherwise known as fiat gateway for cryptocurrencies, which is the key right. difference there. So you can put US dollars into Coinbase and get Bitcoin, but you cannot do that on Bittrex. Um, and that's but, a huge difference. Yes, it's, a, it's groundbreaking. And uh, there's lots of revenue to be made by uh, both those exchanges. But Coinbase is definitely taking the lead there. But of course, anyone that um, has gotten into cryptocurrency back from 2009 to 2011, which is when uh, Bitcoin first began mining, there is no fiat gateway of any sort to speak. You can only mine Bitcoin. That was their entryway. Anyone that got in from about 2012 to 2014 could have done anything from mining Bitcoin to filling out CAPTCHAs and getting rewarded Bitcoin for that. And that was probably their right. uh, their entryway segue into crypto. But yep, right. uh, nowadays, yep. Coinbase is a very popular app to use. Bittrex is an American-run exchange, very reliable. Right. And before, and before you go too much further, um, tell us a little bit. Uh, people might have heard about GDAX before. And uh, they might not really know what the relation between GDAX and Coinbase is. So can you can you tell us a little bit about GDAX? Yeah, GDAX is essentially the more technical side of Coinbase. They GDAX is the engine that Coinbase runs upon. If you've ever heard of a like a uh, Wall Street terminal, it, you can kind of look at it like that. Versus Yahoo Finance, you know, it's it's uh, more technical, not as uh, showy, but they right, they so. are the same thing deep down. Uh, if you have a Coinbase account, you also have a GDAX account by default. Okay. And I think that's, you know, from a, from a ability to look at the cryptos, you know, for what they are, which is a very analytical, very technical, you know, indicator and data marketed, you know, orientation to them. I think it's important for people who have Coinbase or people that just hold Bitcoin, you know, the, uh, the big four to be able to, you know, go into GDAX and be able to see, you know, Fibonacci trends, you know, the different kinds of things that frankly are, you know, more complicated elements to, you know, the big four that a lot of people can't really get on the Coinbase website, right? Yes. Uh, going from Coinbase to GDAX, GDAX is definitely going to be where you can get more of your charting done, your trading, 
Whereas Coinbase is really just solely where you execute buys and sells. Uh, any chart that you're going to see on Coinbase is going to be the equivalent of something that CNBC Fast Money throws on their Twitter. If you want to go <laughs> and uh, form your own opinions, GDAX is definitely the way to go. But you can take it a step further than that. And what a lot of people do is utilize um, charting services such as TradingView.com or um, mm-hmm. Coinigy. They're both very good services. Uh, they both offer free alternatives too. But um, that's that's one way for a lot of people to begin diving deeper into these charts and candlesticks. Yeah. Okay. Well, Drew, um, you've certainly provided us with some you know ex- excellent preliminary information, and uh, I'd like to tie all of that into you know our last you know main question, which is sort of a hypothetical you know situation I want to lay out that a lot of people you know might be hesitant to put a thousand or 5,000 or any, you know, substantial amount of their, you know, us dollars into, you know, a Bitcoin or Ethereum or Litecoin, you know, whatever. So let's use a hypothetical scenario that sort of simplifies it all into the easiest way to see how the money moves from point A to point B. So let's use a hundred dollars as the, you know, median of, of measurement. So a hundred dollars. So, so, uh, what would hypothetically, what would somebody do if they had a hundred dollars to invest in Bitcoin? How would they go about doing that, and where? All right, hundred dollars person has never even opened an account before on any sort of Bitcoin exchange. It's Correct. it's really as simple. A lot of people will be able to understand that it's as simple as opening a Cash App or Venmo account. All you have to do is create your login, uh, link your tax identifiable or bank account information. And boom, you can start spending. You can either, you can, the difference in this case is if you spend money on Bitcoin, the Bitcoin is yours to to have. You can then send it to someone if you want for cash on the streets. You can invest it into altcoins or you can just hold on to it with the uh, idea that the $100 you spent in Bitcoin will then increase in value. So if you spent $100 on Bitcoin back when it was $1,000, you would have 0.1 of a Bitcoin. If you waited six months, Bitcoin is now $6,000. That point one is worth $600. You have now six times your money just by holding on to this digital asset, which is that wow. that right there uh, highlights the uh, potential for euphoria, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very, you know, significant level and, you know, speed in terms of, you know, your rapid, you know, accessibility to double, triple, quadruple, or exponentially even, you know, ten times 10 and above, multiply your money over a, you know, of course, what many, what in traditional markets is, you know, more of a, you know, of a, you know, multi-year process that it takes to accomplish oh, the yeah. same a ru- gain feats. A uh, running joke in crypto is that a, uh, a, a double on your investment in crypto is about as common as a 5% gain in the traditional market. But you know, with every with every double or right. triple that comes, it, it can it all comes. What goes down or what goes up must come down. As exactly. as we've seen recently, we're down or we have been down about seventy percent from uh, Bitcoin's all time high of twenty thousand dollars. We've retraced down to six thousand dollars. If you said that to someone that's been holding for three years, they'd laugh in your face and be like, "So what?" But anyone that entered the market in twenty seventeen is probably pretty nervous, myself included. But it's it's nice to put yourself in the shoes of uh, the more experienced traders, which is what well, I always right. try to do. And there's a, you know, there's a very highly, you know, speculatory side of, you know, the cryptos in the sense that 
when everything's going right for you, you know, you feel like, you know, you made all the right decisions, but just as quickly, if you're not, because it truly is a 24 hour market, the markets don't sleep, you could be going to sleep and you could wake up and, you know, be doing your morning business. And then you check your phone or you check wherever, you know, coin market cap, wherever you go to look and you see, you know, wow, my stuff's down 20, you know, 25%. And, you know, you don't, as in with, as not with the traditional markets, you're not really afforded the, you know, luxury of having, you know, Yahoo Finance or whatever, you know, CNBC, Bloomberg, whatever, covering, you know, the cryptocurrencies. You don't really get news behind why things go down. They're very, in a sense, they're all, you know, very correlated to one another. Exactly. Like altcoins correlated to, you know, Bitcoin and the other, you know, core currencies. Yeah, that uh, uh, lays the foundation for probably a more advanced topic that I'm sure we'll talk on in future podcasts, which I will be more than happy to... uh, be joining you on but uh people say that altcoin trading is three-dimensional compared to the uh stock market which just relies on i mean at a fundamental level supply and demand whereas altcoins are supply and demand of the altcoin plus the supply and demand of bitcoin multiplied all together right there's definitely you know a separate you know uh x factor we'll call it that weighs on these coins you know really at all any given time Yep, that's why. Uh, but as you said, you that careful. is that is an advanced that is an advanced topic, and you know, I, and again, as you said, I definitely, you know, I think that the listeners here who you know are this is peaking their interest, or the ones that think that they might be a little farther along than this, could definitely stand to benefit from you know our future podcast. Maybe it'll be next week. It might be the next week after that. Oh or yeah, we might or we might create a whole day entirely pertinent to cryptos. That would be we'll beautiful. Work that out in the future, but. Um, you know, as that's why, you know, I encourage the listeners to reach out to us because we kind of try to cater to the podcast to the listeners. And, you know, we as as all people, you know, that all normal people do, we like to you know live our lives and enjoy, you know, our days. And we're doing these on Fridays, Thursdays, you know, whatever at the night. We don't really like to spend a whole lot of time making these for people that don't want to listen to them, but for all the people that do want to listen to them. I mean, that's why we do this. Exactly. We, we love helping you people. So um drew i think you uh you know you perfectly uh gave these people you know uh definitely gave the people some confidence when it comes to their capabilities to meaningfully get involved in crypto markets as a whole and i used a hundred dollars as a medium of measurement whatever i mean maybe someone wants to try a thousand dollars 500 whatever they want to do i I always started with a few hundred bucks and i'm sure you probably only start with a few hundred too right you know it yep so everyone's got to start somewhere um, now, uh, what we're going to be doing, uh, right after this, because I kind of wanted to cap, this is one whole segment is that Drew and I are going to do kind of a rapid Q and a session. Um, you can fast forward, you know, from where we are right now, right into the next one, or just let the, let the thing roll out there. But that's where we're going to have all our closing statements, uh, kind of give you an indication of what's going to be coming up in the next following week. So, uh, thanks everyone for tuning into this segment. Uh, this was, uh, Drew, our in-house find a crypto analyst and he's going to be joining us right now in our Q&A. And welcome to our last segment of the night. Uh, This is going to be a rapid Q&A on some crypto terminology with Drew, who just joined us on our last segment. Um, Drew, are you about ready for this Q&A? Let's do it, man. Fire away. Great. Uh, So let's start with Coinbase uh, to begin with. Um, Coinbase is an American-operated exchange. Trades on the GDAX engine is a 
very popular app on, for Apple and Android and is a good way for newbies and ex- experts alike to dabble in cryptocurrency. If you're new, uh, download Coinbase and buy some Bitcoin. Perfect. Um, how about Bitrix and Binance? Bitrix and Binance are two of the most popular um, altcoin or cryptocurrency exchanges for Americans, Europeans, Asians alike. Um, Bitrex is American owned and operated. They comply with U.S. regulations. Binance uh, originated in Hong Kong. They just recently moved to Malta, I'm pretty sure, which is apparently very lenient on their cryptocurrency laws. So good on them for exploring further uh, further locations. Looser regulatory yeah, country yeah. laws. What, what have you. <laughs> so yeah. Bitrex, Binance are the two big ones. Of course, if you're uh, in China or Korea, there's even bigger exchanges, but called uh, one, for example, is Upbit or Bithum, Bithum, whichever you call it. But all of these exchanges are pulling in millions of dollars in revenue per day just off percentages of trading fees. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, to say the least. Yeah, very lucrative, it sounds like. All right, uh, let's try uh, Bitstamp. Bitstamp is uh, similar to Coinbase. It's a Bitcoin supplier, Bitcoin exchange. Um, they... It, they uh, provide the big four, essentially, Litecoin, Ethereum, Bitcoin, Ripple. Bit, I don't think they actually operate with Bitcoin Cash, but um, Bitstamp is operated out of the UK. It's basically... So for if we have any UK listeners, that would be your Coinbase alternative. Yes, yes. Bitstamp is solid. I prefer Bitstamp over Coinbase, just out of personal preference. Um, so you could still use it in the United States is what you're Yes, saying. correct. It's an international, uh, it's, it's, it's essentially an inter- international bank. Yeah. For cryptocurrency. Okay. Just Perfect. as, uh, yeah. No, go ahead. If you had, if you had anything. I was just going to say just as Coinbase is for international people, but I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I was about to say, I'm pretty sure you might have to, uh, live in the United States or within a set realm of countries to access Coinbase, but don't call us on that. I don't have that information in front of me, but if you reach out to uh, Drew, I'm sure he'll be able to uh, let you know when we have a chance to. Yeah, to I'll definitely do some digging that. on that. But uh, Bitrex, Binance, you don't. Uh, it doesn't matter what country you're in; you can use them, unless I think. Okay, yeah, we're getting too deep into it. What's next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not get too deep in that. Um, the big four. Big four. Uh, off the top of my head, it, they're the biggest market cap coins with the biggest market cap. So of course, there's Bitcoin right off the bat taking the lead. Second of that is Ethereum. Um, after that, Litecoin was the big four. I'll always consider it the top four because like I think it's big four. Yeah, of course. But market cap wise, I really don't think it is right now. But Litecoin is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies. Uh, one of the most reliable ones. Very open source development. Uh, solid uh, key developer, Charlie Lee. He's an awesome guy to follow on Twitter. Very funny. Yeah, funny guy. Good memes all around. <laughs> yeah we and and in the crypto world you gotta love your memes oh, that's yeah. one thing you have to be 100 percent about memeing is life in cryptos so oh, yeah. that's why that's what same with the crypto cats let's not let's not even get into crypto, crypto kittens cats. yep crypto kittens uh probably just right, a so, glorified uh, money laundering scheme but uh i didn't say it that aside um all right uh let's try blockchain blockchain is a is a you know this is this can be a very broad broad definition but since this is a quick q a just give us give us blockchain um yeah blockchain is essentially the underlying technology of cryptocurrencies um bitcoin was of of like the first blockchain that 
was developed. But blockchain in itself, to dumb it down for anyone able to understand, blockchain is essentially a database that once you edit what the database says, it can't be uh, revoked or deleted. It's permanent. It's immutable is what they call it. It's an immutable database. So, yeah, uh, you can put anything from banking information to um, uh, social security numbers to birth certificates on a database, right? Just as you can put right. them all on the blockchain. And, and I think a, you know, a pretty popular phenomenon that's starting to take place is that a lot of companies like uh, you know, some of the ones that I invest in in the Internet of Things, um, like HP, uh, for example, HPE or whatever, you know, cloud, certain cloud-based companies are all starting to take a pretty hard look at the different capabilities of using blockchain technology in some of the, you know, daily ongoing businesses that they do. Um, I think one, you know, uh, interesting, you know, phenomenon is starting to break out is that people are starting to use blockchain tech in order to do digital signatures for houses that they're trying to buy too, properties, which is, uh, you know, never really has, you know, if anyone's ever tried to see, you know, even to get a lease or a rent, you have to sign, you know, a little mini encyclopedia of papers. I mean, this is, you know, that squared, basically. So blockchain technology, you know, is really coming onto the scene as a whole to try to, you know, innovate certain, uh, you know, digital aspects of our daily lives that, frankly, are have kind of been left underutilized since the creation of them in the first place. It's sort of the second phase of the internet, as some people are starting to call it. Exactly. And it's kind of hard to be specific about it, but, and it sounds vague, but if you have done your research and looked into it at least a little bit, you're, you're going to hundred percent be able to relate to what Darvis saying, Davis is saying here. So it's interesting because we also have the rise of all these cryptocurrencies, but they're essentially just the first, the first movers in using blockchain. Whereas I think in the next three to five, 10 years, we're going to see the rise of the mega companies that exist now, such as Amazon, Apple, Tesla, what have you, we're going to see the rise of them implementing blockchain, the most efficient impl- implementation of it, and how it furthers their company's successes. Right. And uh, just as a preface, Drew only calls me Darv because that is a widely accepted name, hence the name. <laughs> um, I think what, what what's my... Oh, it's Rockefeller Darv. Yes. Uh, and by the way, uh, I'm going to leave the Twitter handles for both Drew and myself. Um, you know, I always usually leave mine. I'm pretty sure all of you probably follow me on Twitter, if, you know, et cetera. If you don't, you should. And that's, <laughs> you definitely should. Follow follow Rockefeller Darv. Yes. Always follow Rockefeller Darv and Crypto Connoisseur with a zero. Krypton we'll, we'll Sewer. Yep. So we'll get you right there uh, at the end of this. But couple more questions uh drew what's an altcoin tell us about altcoins altcoin is basically short shorthand for alternative coin or any coin that is not bitcoin so there you have it that's a pretty general term and if anyone is talking about an altcoin it's fair to assume that they're talking about anything besides bitcoin unless they're just trying to be a meme a memer and uh talk bad about bitcoin which some people yes. do <laughs> right. Oh, there's a plethora of those. All right. Um, last two. Uh, what is a hodl or what is hodling? Hodling is uh, also a meme in the crypto world. It's holding, holding your coin. It's uh, sometimes used in a negative light when you don't sell the top of when you should have, when you got greedy. So you're left hodling your coin past the point that you entered it. And so now you're underwater and all you can really do is hodl. 
Um, I think it started out way back in a Bitcoin talk form. Bitcoin talk is a, a website that really furthered the um, spread of cryptocurrency memes and forum alike. Uh, every- Just the whole, the whole, you know, environment, the whole, you know, movement as a whole, you know, it has embodiments. It has one of those embodiments happens to be the things that tend to make the fun side of the internet run, which is memeing and to a lesser degree, crypto kittens apparently exactly but uh the thing with bitcoin talk is that they have actual threads with announcements from uh these cryptocurrency projects that just go on for hundreds of pages detailing all their developments they have developers talking to the uh users of the coins it's bitcoin talk is far more than just memes but nobody really uses that nowadays it's kind of evolved more to twitter but that was even before my day in cryptocurrency so i'm getting in over and my i head. think and I think it what the uh, the rumor is that or the the urban legend is that Hoddle came from one of these developers or one of these people who was rather influential at the time, misspelling hold instead of a drunk rant. Yeah, so drunk rant. Everybody knew he was drunk and he's just hodling now. Yes, and that thus created the birth of the movement of hodling. Yep. Alrighty. Well, last last one, but certainly not least, because this is very important. Because a lot, of, this is probably the question that I myself get asked the most when you know I talk about cryptocurrencies. It's what is crypto mining? Mining is a way that it it, it provides value to cryptocurrencies. Essentially, um, it is the it is the method that the cryptocurrencies are born. For example, uh, not every coin is made via bond, via mining, but um, if we're talking about mining coins, they're going to be considered proof of work coins. So the work is what the is what is referring to the mining. So to generate one Bitcoin, you have to mine it essentially. And mining can be in its most probably simple way of explaining it is basically just solving uh, complex equations on a computer before other people and essentially providing by doing so you're also providing stability to the network that the coin operates upon and like i said earlier that blockchain is an immutable technology and that once you put something on the blockchain for example you can't delete it um, the miners are who is making sure that you cannot edit or delete something that is on the blockchain. They're confirming, it's called confirming the transaction. And by mining, you are confirming transactions. So if I'm understanding, you know, kind of what you're saying correctly, you know, there's a, there's a finite supply in some of these coins that helps determine their value. Like for example, Bitcoin has a finite, you know, supply of 21 million. There can never be more than 21 million coins. However, there's about 16 and a half million in circulation. The remaining amount being unmined coins. So, well, either you know unmined these... or lost coins. There's unmined yeah. or lost. Yes. Okay. Well, we're not to get. Let's not get too too into the right. you know complications right. of that. But um, essentially, you know, these people are smashing algorithms together on you know these heavy duty computers that drain thousands of dollars of electricity away some people you know uh like people in china have you know whole warehouses of you know just computers running these algorithms skyscrapers even so they say yeah the profitability of that 
is entirely dependent on how successful you are in finding the coins. And at that point, how much are they worth? Exactly. Right. That, that is a whole nother uh, field of cryptocurrency that I haven't really even dabbled into called spec mining or speculative mining, which is what the people were doing in 2010 that were mining Bitcoin. Right. They were, that's the, that's the prehistoric origin of the markets that we're in right now. Oh, yeah. Essentially. They were spec mining and didn't even. Right. Right. Well, uh, well, Drew, uh, we're out of time for the day, but uh, you left us with a hell of a lot to think about. And I encourage all the listeners to reach out to Drew with all their crypto questions. Uh, do you have any closing remarks you'd like to leave with the listeners? Yeah, just something quick uh, and simple for the listeners to uh, just drill into their heads, I'm telling you. Um, it's just crucial to understand that a lot of value of the whole crypto realm right now is the barrier for entry. Nobody really wants to make four different accounts on four different websites. Remember all that login information just to spend their own hard-earned money on a coin that has no uh, physical embodiment. It's a virtual asset. But you got to consider that everyone would love to turn that $100 into $1,000. So you have to navigate within the channels that you're allotted. You know, you can't, you got to make do with what we have yep yep definitely gonna make do with what we got um and uh i think what uh you know drew and i strike to accomplish by today's podcast and the podcast that we're going to be making in the future is is that and this might sound a little redundant to some of you who've tuned into my first podcast but the objective is to make you guys the captains of your own crypto ship and inevitably we're going to transform that ship into a cruise ship and we're going to sail on your crypto cruise ship into the sunset but you guys are going to be the captain uh you know we're here as your support staff your first mates finance first agents of fortune i'm an agent of fortune drew's an agent of fortune you guys are agents of fortune we're all agents of our own fortune so uh thank you guys for listening i hope you all have a great weekend and uh we'll see you guys next time thank you take care